0: 90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science.
1: Hey, Shannon, how are you?
0: I am doing well. How about yourself?
1: <laughs> I'm doing okay.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm out of field camp. We're doing our summer shorts, right? We couldn't put on our yep. summer shorts. Because the first day of camp, we got snow, which is, (laughs) you know, one in four years we have snow. Like the life of this podcast, you can go back, and I've talked about snow before, we got 18 inches of snow.
1: (laughs) Yeah, nothing like that.
0: (laughs) It was amazing, and I was so put in my place because I had a student, so I came out early But then the students were coming from Norman, and they were riding in the cars with the TAs. And a student said, are we going to cancel, like, push the start of camp back because of the weather? And I said, no, that's ridiculous. Because I hadn't looked, and all I saw that it was going to be cold, and we might get an inch. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Camp goes on. And I woke up that next morning, and I thought, this is my fault. (laughs) (laughs) This is my fault. Because I said, oh, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Now, the question
1: is, do any of them know you're a meteorologist?
0: uh, You think that's not the first thing. Second thing out of my mouth. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Mm, Yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, I might have even, like, made an emoji in that email to him and then said, I got my degree in meteorology. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Yeah, it was awesome. It was um, drifted up to my knees right outside my cabin door so mm-hmm. it was fun it's been a fun week and then it was 85 degrees today and i think half of the class got heat stroke so
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: so yeah it's been a great week I'm definitely ready to record a podcast something nice and back into the swing of my normal routine
1: <laughs> right <laughs> yeah we've been uh Doing significant construction here at the house.
0: Oh, that's fun, mm-hmm.
1: always. So, yes, that's that's been great. I've been <laughs> very, very tired.
0: <laughs> because you're doing the construction, I'm guessing.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> in,
1: in the words of Ron Swanson, people are, what do you say, um, people who buy things are suckers.
0: <laughs> oh, I always love that when people are like, oh, man, you know, we're... We just redid our bathroom. Like, did you do it? Well, no, we had people do it. I'm like, okay. We just redid our bathroom. Though.
1: Like. Right. <laughs> so tomorrow, let's see, I've had the tractor over here. I've moved 22 tons of gravel. Oh. And tomorrow, or the day the podcast gets released, I've got 1,800 pounds of cement in bags showing up on pallets. Wow. That I then have to pour into thirty-six holes that I just formed up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Well. You know, man, jack of all trades, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a long, long weekend. Luckily, <laughs> it's uh, it's a holiday weekend here.
0: Um. Yeah. There's no holiday weekends at field camp, so. We'll every
1: day's be. a holiday at field camp. You get to be outside.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm gonna play this, that clip right there for the kids Monday morning.
1: <laughs> yeah, that should be on the poster.
0: Yep, sure will be
1: every day. Just like holiday. all the other recruiting posters that lie. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: that's what propaganda is meant to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure.
1: Got Every day is a holiday at can camp. That might have to be the show title.
0: Oh, uh, that might have to be the t-shirt that we make. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, I like it. Yeah, I love it. Oh uh, well, so what are we going to talk about on this summer short?
0: Well, I thought that we would talk about this thing that I could have sworn that we talked about before, and I think I've just kept threatening to talk about it. Um, it's something that we encounter out here quite a bit, and it is Caliche.
1: So this is a word I've heard you say a lot. <laughs> and I have to admit, I've never cared enough to go read about it.
0: <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious when you said, when we were prepping for the show, you know, what is that? <laughs> and I said, okay, we must not have done a show about it.
1: And after reading, I'm like, okay, yes, this is... Right. This makes <laughs> sense. I have seen this.
0: And I could see why you don't, you know, know or care too much about it. I understand that. Um...
1: I mean, it doesn't show up in a seismic line, so whatever.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, this, however, <laughs> gets in my way quite a bit, I will say. <laughs> so, when you're out in the wild, if you take yourself back many, many years <laughs> to when you were doing some field geology. You to, to when you... I was
1: on vacation all the time. Yes, you know, exactly. Doing Every work. day.
0: Every day is a vacation. <laughs> And you've got two rocks. And you got your tools, right? Yep. Tell me, you know, what type of rock this is. And so you're gonna open it up and you're gonna say, okay, well, it looks crystalline. It doesn't look like I have grains. So it's probably it's not an igneous rock. It's not a metamorphic rock. It's probably a chemical sedimentary rock. So I'm going to then get my toolkit and grab my acid bottle, right?
1: Yep, you'd put your acid on it, the fizzes, or maybe grind it up a little bit with the end of your hammer.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, and then you see if it fizzes, and you know, say, okay, great, this is a limestone, which is never okay. You should always use Dunham classification, but you say, great. So the problem in places like the desert southwest here is that you get this stuff that's on all the rocks. Every rock fizzes, every one of them. If I were to walk up to any rock out here right now without my hammer and drop acid on it, it's going to fizz. And this is why. And
1: that doesn't seem right. No. Not (laughs) at all.
0: (laughs) And that's what caliche is. (laughs) It's the bane of my existence. (laughs) So
1: caliche must be a carbonate then if it causes fizzing. Mm -hmm. So we know it's calcium.
0: Right. That's exactly right. So it is this calcium carbonate, where I'm at, it's this coating that occurs on all the rocks, and that's pretty normal. It's this, here it's a white rind, it can be tannish or even reddish, it just depends. And it's a weathering product. And so, boys and girls, this is the importance of always getting a fresh face of rock to investigate not looking at the outer weathering products that are occurring here and because we're in this arid or semi-arid environment that's where you get caliche the most because it's this it's deposited as a basically as an evaporation process on top of rocks and it's indicative of being in an arid or a semi-arid environment and so yeah it's the bane of my existence because Everyone drops some acid on a rock and says, oh, it's a carbonate. And I say, wow, everything's a carbonate. And then they're like, oh, so what is
1: it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're not going to get a fresh face of rock before you try to classify it, you might as well classify everything as pop rocks because it's as meaningful.
0: Uh, yeah, that's absolutely true. And I don't know how many times I have to say it. <laughs>
1: and I actually carry I don't know of anybody else, well, maybe one or two other people uh, at the various because I was out of field camp about two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I carried a big old mason's chisel
0: mm-hmm. with a
1: hand guard because rock hammers just don't cut it sometimes.
0: Yeah. And you get that exactly big old right. mason's
1: chisel in there and you can do some damage.
0: <laughs> so we had that today. There was a lot of people trying to bang on these very well-cemented quartz arenites, and I'm like, no, you got to find a corner. And if you can't find a corner, you might not be able to do anything. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. So, this caliche stuff, I mean, it's everywhere. And if you've ever been to the desert southwest, it is that white, chalky stuff that's on top of every rock. Um, and it's made out of, it fizzes because it's made out of calcium carbonate, right? It's no big deal. It's everywhere, right? But we talk about caliche, especially when we start to talk about soil, because that's that's where it's coming from. And I don't know a lot about soil. I know a lot more about paleo soils than I do about modern soils. Um, but maybe you've heard the word aridisol, and you can kind of tell from what that word is that that means like a soil that forms in a very arid place. So generally desert soils, because all of these different soils have different chemical compositions. And so you can classify those soils by their chemical composition. And you can say something about the climate that those soils formed in.
1: Right. And if you're in an area that's got a lot of rainfall, then all of that calcium is going to get, washed out of the soil. It's going to get leached into whatever the runoff basin is, and you aren't going to have calcium to leave these deposits. So you mm-hmm. need like you said pretty pretty low rainfall, relatively high temperatures meaning mean annual temperature, you know, above freezing by a few degrees. Mm-hmm. Um because that gives you plants. Lots of plants and lots of plants also are needed to form caliche.
0: Mhm. So exactly. So you get these really arid environments and if you get some rainfall right um it goes down and then as the soil warms back up as it gets windy you get this evaporation and that evaporation brings this calcite from deep down in the soil horizon and that's what it leaches up it's capillary wick action right comes up to the top gets deposited out there because once the water with all those ions is there, my favorite thing to talk about, you change the pressure temperature conditions, right? You evaporate that water. Suddenly, whatever's left over has to go somewhere, and it precipitates as this caliche. Now, what I always thought is that you had to have... I thought this was interesting, and I learned looking this stuff up. I thought you had to have a lot of calcium carbonate rocks as your bedrocks as the source of calcium carbonate, but you actually don't. It turns out that there's enough calcium lying around that Caliche doesn't need to be dissolved limestones. It comes from everything else that's down in the soil.
1: Right. Well, and the reason I mentioned plants is because mm-hmm. when you get down into the A horizon of the soil, which we've talked about before, the plants actually take the CO2 that they get out of the atmosphere, and a lot of it, goes down into the root system and the carbon dioxide levels in that a horizon can be 15 times their atmospheric partial pressures
0: yeah that's crazy Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so you get that so you got
1: a lot of carbon down there Mm -hmm. from from geology from biology the squishy stuff makes a difference here
0: Mm mm-hmm Exactly. Uh, Which I didn't think I knew. That's what I was talking about. Like, I didn't think I knew that. I thought you had to have the calcium carbonate rocks, but you don't. The plants are doing all this stuff.
1: Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so we, we both learned something about caliche. You uh, knew.
0: <laughs> researching for this. Uh, I, I
1: learned more than you did because I know... I've seen it and said, "Oh yeah, you got to chip that stuff off." Yeah, that's kind of the end of my thought process.
0: It is the bane of my existence out here. Um, Yeah, so that that's really, I thought that was really interesting. And the word caliche, it depends on what area of the world you're in as to what you're actually talking about. It's always a calcium carbonate, but I guess like in different places, it can, it forms. More of a rock. So here, where I'm at specifically, it's just a little crust. Even though that still takes hundreds to a thousand years to form that tiny crust. But it can, in more arid places, it can be really thick. And they actually use it, like, for making cement and things.
1: Right. And I also learned from doing this (laughs) that if you get that thicker crust, Uh it's kind of like sealing the soil...
0: Yeah. And
1: water can't get in, oxygen can't get in, CO2 can't get out, and it can be a huge problem for agriculture.
0: Right, exactly. And then that's when you get calcretes. So these, I mean, they're basically cement. That's exactly right. So in the desert, sometimes you'll walk across these landscapes and you're walking across on this very hard pan, right? And then you come to where that's been washed out, and you can notice these calcrete crusts, and so it's just inches thick of caliche that's forming there. Because, I mean, you don't think desert plants, but, I mean, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of biology happening in these semi-arid environments, even though it looks like a barren sci-fi landscape, right? There's still actually a lot of plants and roots and things that are occurring underneath that surface.
1: Oh, yeah. Deserts are very biodiverse.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's what my caliche looks like. That's what it is. It's very interesting. It's cool because it's an environmental indicator. Um, and when you look at paleosols, you can see these you know, calcium carbonate-rich environments. You look at modern soils, you see this, and it can tell you something about the climate. And they're economic, too, if you get enough of them deposited, which I had no idea. So, yeah, hmm. that's Kalichi. Well, there we go. Yeah. it Clearly, I've had some problems with it this week. <laughs> <And> right. <that's laughs> why I thought that we should talk about it. <laughs> and what's
1: amazing is this might actually be a summer short, unlike last summer where we just gave up.
0: <laughs> we did. We wore long, long, long pants all summer.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: I do have to go in and edit the... Uh, The Wikipedia page on Caliche because it says Caliche Problems. And it doesn't have my problem on here. The fact that students always think it's just a limestone.
1: (laughs) That edit would probably be accepted.
0: Man, I hope so.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I've got a different kind of problem to talk about. (laughs) And that problem is in everybody's favorite segment of the show on paper friday i can't
0: i can't even say yay without laughing because i'm embarrassed at how many times i've had this thought (laughs) like sitting in the bathroom at work the hypothesis of this question has crossed my mind so many times
1: (laughs) oh yes yes um Apparently, when academics go to the bathroom, this is something that they think about, is what's the statistics of people choosing toilet paper? So, the paper is The Toilet Paper Problem by none other than (laughs) Donald Newth.
0: Oh, man. Um, 1984, but still a classic, right?
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. And... Uh, apparently, the story behind this paper getting accepted is kind of funny, too, and the editor ended up saying something about, like, well, I accept your toilet paper.
0: <laughs>
1: Don't know if that's true. That's what I read.
0: Oh, man. That's super funny. Um, this is a very mathematically intense paper about trying to figure out what people do when they go to the bathroom. You have big choosers and little choosers, which obviously made me think of Seinfeld, right? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, see,
1: I I was thinking big Indian and little Indian bite ordering.
0: Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our bathroom is set up just like this, right? Except for ours actually doesn't allow you to choose. We have one huge roll of toilet paper and then a little spot for like a tinier roll of toilet paper, which I assume the janitors just carry around and stick like the remainders on that. But if you have two rolls of the same size... And when, <laughs> basically, do you take toilet paper, so you start using one of them, what's the statistical likelihood of taking toilet paper from the roll with the more paper or the roll with less?
1: So his idea here is that there are two kinds of people that use the restroom. The big choosers and little choosers that always choose the bigger little roll. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that if the two rolls are the same size, or when only one roll has paper, everybody chooses the nearest roll that has paper. And he says, when both em- rolls are empty, everybody has a problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, are, do you subscribe to the, that there are big choosers and little choosers? Are you a big chooser or a little chooser?
0: Um, yeah, Mm -hmm. I definitely have the thought that I will use this little roll up because I think most people won't.
1: Uh, See, I have the thought of, I'm going to take the nearest roll to me that has paper regardless of its size.
0: Wow. No, I go for the, I'm a little chooser. Just looking out for you guys.
1: Interesting. I guess I'm the the third kind of sociopath Uh that you can plan on in this model.
0: (laughs) That's usually where you lie, right? (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) I just meant outside the model, not the sociopath part. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is... um, So the rest of the paper is just math, though.
1: (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And... the. What we're trying to solve here is if the janitor puts two equally sized big rolls on, what happens?
0: hmm Right.
1: And if you assume that everybody is either a big chooser or a little chooser and that those are roughly 50-50, which I don't think they are. I don't think so either, but... Um, but if we assume that they're 50-50... How much paper will be left on a roll? Or will they both be? Because if they're the same size, then people are going to choose the roll nearest them. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of statistics developed here to try to come up with analytic solutions to the time series of toilet paper on the roll.
0: <laughs> and this. you
1: get a pretty interesting shape. Uh, I also love, let's see if I can find the sentence here. Uh, So the analytic solution is actually relatively simple. And he says, when a formula turns out to be so simple, it must have a simple explanation. But the author hasn't been able to think of any direct proof.
0: (laughs) I thought that was great.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now he does mention that if you have exactly a 50-50 split, that this becomes a random walk. And it becomes a uh, Bonnick's matchbox problem. Okay. Which is, if you have... I mean, this was back in the, what, 40s or 50s when everybody smoked. Um, so you've got a pack of matches in your left pocket and a pack in your right pocket. And you will randomly choose a match out of one pocket or the other when you go to light your cigarette. How many matches will be left in one box when the other runs out? Mm. And it's deriving the probability density function of that relationship.
0: Okay. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. So that that's the that's the simplest case. Um, but what's really interesting are the crossover points, when if you have a different proportion of big choosers and little choosers, it's sort of a beat frequency, like how often the rolls will be the same size for a few mm, users. Mm-hmm.
0: Man, this is there are. That's intense math right there.
1: <laughs> it is, but there also there's an assumption here that bugs me. Okay. Is that everybody uses the same unit. You don't have to define what it is, just a unit of toilet paper per bathroom use.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very inherently flawed.
1: <laughs> it's very flawed, not necessarily because people use different amounts. Let's forget that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you pull toilet paper off the roll, do you count squares or do you pull about an arm's length
0: yeah you just pull
1: so if you're on a big roll the circumference of that roll is bigger
0: Mm-hmm. so, so an arm's right length you. is a lot more yeah
1: well okay that's not strictly true I no. guess. because mm-hmm. the arm's length it eh.
0: It'd almost be less it'd be less right
1: well i mean if you pull the same linear distance from the wall it's the same amount of paper. I well
0: guess. yeah. Yeah. But if you're
1: pulling but down, it could be different. Yeah, see, I think I think when it's a small roll, people are going to subconsciously like bunch it up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So Correct. yeah, I don't think the usage model is quite right. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I mean I guess there's nothing ethically questionable about instrumenting toilet paper rolls
0: (laughs) oh man that's amazing you should do that here at camp (laughs) yeah i mean
1: you couldn't tie the data to any one user
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, but just see what the time series of roll diameter is
0: that's very interesting and what if they're side by side versus up and down
1: oh yeah yeah, that's a big difference. Because mm-hmm. up and down, it's just a pain in the butt to get your hand between the rolls to find the thing on the bottom one.
0: Ah, was that a toilet paper pun? <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, it. When you're just you sitting do
1: there that. farting around trying to find the <laughs> end of the roll. Ah, ah,
0: ah. Oh man, I'm ready to flush this episode. That's what
1: I'm to say. <laughs> and the best part um. is this work at the end. <laughs> <laughs> also acknowledges the nsf grant that funded oh the work
0: my gosh i mean the first acknowledgement is also good right the architect of the computer science building at stanford for suggesting this <laughs> implicitly
1: before implicitly suggesting this problem uh, yes
0: lovely oh that's great i need to get on my next nsf grant build that sensor i'll get you going we went through at least 20 rolls today so
1: Oh, man, what was for lunch?
0: Oh, that's right. Nothing like a good chili. (laughs) Uh
1: Oh, well, if you would like to contribute the statistics of if you're a... (laughs) I can't even. If you're a big chooser or a little chooser, uh, we'll be compiling that information. Shannon, how can folks send that in?
0: Show at do We're on Twitter at Don't Panic Geo. I am at Shannon Doolin. John is at geo underscore Lehman. And as always, thank you to our Patreon supporters for supporting us. You can do so too. At patreon.com slash don't panic geo.
1: Until next week, remember, don't panic.
0: It's not an exact science.